bots. Hey, Danny. Something super exciting happened this week that I've been teasing on the show for 20 episodes. Well, actually, 19 episodes because it's episode 20. Oh, my goodness. We did it. This is but episode Danny, 20? Episode 20. It happened. Man, this is our that silver. Is, isn't that a silver anniversary or something? Ooh, that must be something silver, platinum. But we, we should have like the different rankings of, of each of them. Yeah. So something happened, Danny, okay. that I've been teasing for 19 episodes, which is that I've been attempting to send Danny a gift package. And I did it. I went to the United States po- Parcel? Postal? Postal Service? One of the two, I, which I, I love. I think it's parcel these days, but go ahead. Parcel Service. Shipping parcels and sent a luxurious package that you immediately ignored. Yeah. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. So Mott's, Mott's finally sent me the package, everybody. And Danny didn't go to his uh, to his PMB this week. Now, if you're wondering what's a PMB, let's take this opportunity to uh, to learn the difference between a PMB and a POB. Because uh, I have pay- a PO box. That's exactly. what I have. Yeah, no, I, I, I pay I for a PMB. I don't know what it stands for. A PMB is is kind of what the cool kids are doing these days. It's a personal mm. mailbox, which basically allows you to receive anything. So all those limitations you have on that POB non-existent for my for my PMB. I could I could literally send them a car, um, you know, uh, anything you do for Christmas, anything that goes to the PMB. So fun fact, Danny, <laughs> I knew I was getting your package, and I actually it was on my mind yesterday. I swear to you, it was, and then I promptly ignored whatever this package is that I'm still very excited to receive, but we're going to have to discuss that next week. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm actually really interested now because, you know, I, I have this vision, you know, when you have a great idea and then you like, you drive your car or walk or ride a bike down the street and then all of a sudden someone's already done it. Uh, so I had this idea cause I always, I needed, I need a PO box or I needed some PMB or a commercial mail receiving agency to handle my mail. There's a lot of it. This is a new world I'm learning about. I'm putting this in the show notes and I needed, I needed a way, but I was like, you know what? I hate kind of just walking to the postal service or like having to ride my bike somewhere to go pick up a package. What am I going to do? I was like, what if you combine the two things that I love, which are like coding coffee and then you combine that with the ability to ship or have a p.o box and i always thought that'd be a great idea and then someone did it and they call it sip and ship and there's actually a bunch of them throughout seattle so you can go get a handcrafted brew or a lunch they serve like little you know muffins and sandwiches sandwiches whatever and then ship whatever you need but they also have these pmbs which you're talking about private mail boxes that's amazing honestly that is a great idea and i wish that the uh the the pmb that i um, subscribe to every year. I wish that they had that. I mean, if I if you had coffee and Wi-Fi, you turn it into a hangout. And now, you know, I, I would go an hour early before I know that you know UPS comes that day and just wait for my box. Right? I mean, that's that is a that is somebody recognizing an opportunity and taking it. So as much as they stole your idea, um, I, I can't really begrudge them. Probably. I can't be mad at them because now I don't have it. I mean, I didn't have the money to go try that anyways. But if I did, I'm just glad that it exists. And I was very impressed overall with it. I, w- I did go in. I didn't get a PMB from them because right. I already gave the USPS my money. But right. what a great idea. Yeah. Well, I know you, uh, you're, you're always full of great ideas. But I wanted to tell you about something that I did this weekend. So I, I went glamping. You know what glamping is, right? That is glamour camping. Glamour, glamour camping? Okay. Glamour camping. I just want to make sure I've a lot of people hear glamping, and it sounds like, you know, one of those, like, pony play things where people, like, dress up in medieval character. Like, something weird, right? Glamping sounds like something that you shouldn't really be doing. But glamping is just glamour camping. Um, a buddy of mine 
his uh, his kid's birthday, and and he's got one of those you know RV kind of toy haulers, and he's like, you know what? Let's go up to the lake. Let's um and let's let's camp it. Let's camp it out, and and let the let the kids play and fish and do stuff. And and I you know immediately as any good and loyal listener of the show also does, I immediately assess what's my coffee situation going to be like because mm-hmm. on the weekends is one of those times when I really we know that I. I, I aspire to be a coffee snob and aficionado to your level, but we know I haven't had the right setup. And so the weekend is really when I, I head over to Luke's, I steal myself a cup of coffee, I get my Chemex going. <laughs> so the weekend is, this weekend was surrounded by two things. Would I have good coffee during this glamping trip? And was I willing to miss the McGregor Mayweather fight? Which, um, believe it or not, the latter is one that really was less important to me. Like, I didn't really care. I know I'm supposed to. I didn't care about McGregor Mayweather, but I figured out the good coffee situation. I brought my hand grinder, which you know I have, right? It's show notes from a few shows ago. I um, I, I did it properly. I, I poured over. We had one of those little mini propane tank things that nice. kind of boils the mobile the mobile stove. Um, and I boiled some hot water. I hand grinded some beans, and I, I basically it was the kind of coffee that was sweeter than normal because I also didn't sleep at all that night. It was one of those sleeping in. No matter what somebody tells you about an RV and how great an idea that is, let me just just pro tip: it's if it's nice enough outside, just bring a sleeping bag or sleep in the back of the truck or do something different. Because I did not sleep at all inside this tiny little bed that folds down from the wall. I was tortured all night. I, I was excitedly waiting for the sun to rise. Like I woke up at four and I'm like, oh, the sun isn't up yet. Had to like sit there and be tortured for a little bit longer. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. That, that is, is the worst. worst. You're just right? like, so you look as at the soon clock as the sun like, was up, dude, hours. as soon as the sun was up, I got out there and I made myself a cup of joe while glamping. And, uh, and so that's what I did this last weekend. Lots of fun. It's very true, though. It's like every time I've ever gone camping or, you know, even had a very nice camper to go in, it's never a great experience. You know what I mean? It never is. Like you could have the nicest tent, the nicest whatever. You're not in your home. You're not. It's like when you decide that it's a great idea to buy a front Frontier Airlines red eye to go to Cleveland and leave at 1130 at night. This sounds like an oddly specific comparison. I feel like there's a story behind that. It, it is just like that. And when you go with your your partner in life and you say, hey, let them just like go ahead and pick the seats and they throw you all the way in the back on these seats that don't have any cushioning with a tray table that literally nothing can sit on. It's literally four inches deep. I try to put my laptop on. It does doesn't even hold it up. It's impossible. And I have the right. world's smallest laptop. But wait, I, so why did why did you do this again? I missed that part. So I, I you know, I come from Cleveland originally. And I have family back there, and Heather found this great deal on a nonstop trip to Cleveland for the weekend so I could visit my parents and my sister and brother-in-law because I don't get to go out there very often. It's very expensive, and you always have to do a layover. So I go, this is a great, great deal because it was $190 round trip nonstop, which is crazy. I mean, it's crazy cheap. Um, It's never that cheap to go to Cleveland because it's Cleveland and whoever wants to go to Cleveland. So... Um, I bought these tickets and it was round, it was, it was nonstop. So we left at 1130 at night, got there at 7am, um, on frontier. And what I love about frontier is that their website, pretty terrible. Um, picking the seats, checking out, they try to upcharge you for everything. Are you trying to carry on a bag? You're trying to do this. Are you trying to do that? They're like upcharge. Oh, you want to pick a seat? Do you, do you, plan, on, do you plan on breathing on the plane? 
like just circulating that air, right? I mean, that's an issue. So if you're not going to bring your own oxygen tank, then that's also an extra charge. Yeah. That was one thing that they did say was complimentary was oh, the wow, air. Okay. Okay, they, did, they did give you that, the seatbelt complimentary, but that's it, right? Now you're walk, we're walking down the aisle. This is our first frontier airline trip. And like the seats are looking pretty nice. Like, oh, these are pretty nice seats. And then you look behind, right? Like, so if you were sitting and facing forward, and normally what you're staring at is a pretty thick seat with a nice tray table that comes down. No, no, no. Frontier, it's all metal backing. And you realize that it's the thinnest cushion in the entire world that you're sitting on. And they put you so close together. You're just like, mm, like everyone is your best friend. And there's a bajillion kids on this plane because it's the cheapest airline. So of course, everyone with kids slap them on a Frontier airline overnight trip. That sounds like a great idea. Right. That's what I did this weekend. It was great. <laughs> well, I mean, I was... I, it started out <laughs> with an oddly specific comparison, right? It's like, you know, when you're talking to somebody and, and you're a little frustrated about something and they like make like a really unique reference to something that really frustrated them. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, you got a lot of energy about that, don't you, buddy? <laughs> like, yeah, you're like you're, you clearly haven't let that go yet. So that that's what that sounded like. Now I get it. But, you know, that's what happens when you want to fly Frontier to Cleveland. I mean, I feel like maybe you've done this before. Like, is this, is, would that be fair to say this isn't your first uncomfortable frontier thing? Because you packed, you packed a lot of, there was a lot of energy there. Am I right, right about that or wrong about that? This was the very first time we okay, ever so flew. Okay. Ever. And what was wow. unique is that we probably did the most research out of any airline. So we had like specs of like our backpacks and like this and that. So we just did, we probably did just the most research. We didn't have to pay them any extra money and we didn't. It was mission accomplished. Well, that's which nice. is cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that makes it better. In it a way. was good. But then when you get to Cleveland, you also run into the situation that you just described, right? Which is what is the coffee situation like? Right. Okay. And my parents coffee situation is a five gallon drum in the freezer pre-ground Dunkin oh, Donuts coffee. I was going to guess, I was going to summarize it as less than ideal. I was going to guess that was the situation. Not optimal. It is not right. an optimal coffee situation. And um, so we had to drive around. We got a few Starbucks here and there, but my sister took me to one of her friend's uh, coffee shops called Six Shooter Coffee, which is pretty cool. It was kind of like we got to drive through some interesting parts of Cleveland, I should say. But they call themselves an artisanal micro roasted coffee shop, which is pretty cool. They have like a Western theme. So it's kind of cool. So there is some good coffee. It did at least have one good cup of coffee while I was in Cleveland. So I will say mission accomplished. But I didn't get to go glamping. And glamping is on my list because I don't know if you know about Seattle at all in the regions. We got we got trees and mountains everywhere, Danny. So I'm just saying if you want to glamp, Dude, it's a great place. I here's what I learned. I mean, full disclosure, I learned I'm not I'm not a glamper. I'm not I'm not a camper for sure. I'm I'm just like I'm one of those people who looks at camping as people used to do this when there weren't houses to stay in. Now there are houses. Why are we not in them? That's that's sort of so like the uncomfortableness of the sweatiness, the the dirtiness, the uh, I mean, staying up late by the fire was fun when we were having a beer and the kids had gone to bed. And OK, like and not, not to sound totally high maintenance. I mean, I do appreciate I actually do appreciate the the whole theory that, you know, it's so much healthier for us to go to bed when it's dark and get up when it's light. And, you know, the amount of technology that kind of you know, screws with the human natural brainwaves. So I, I really like that. And there were times when we were out there and fishing where I just reminded myself of how much I miss disconnecting. And no, seriously, not to get too like, you know, 
too like spiritual or whatever out but i'm telling you it's just it's so important to disconnect especially for guys like us i mean we're just we're not we're not even on our phones all the time because of like we're social media facebook browsing where we're looking for things to do on the web we we literally have to be on the web and i think that's one of the reasons why i spend so little time i mean i have a personal facebook because it's literally required to have like the public corporate pages that we have you know and like i so I, re- I really like that. And I, and I, I, I took an opportunity, you know, to get, get a little bit of that sunbake on my skin. And oh my gosh, let's appreciate existence and, and our own meaninglessnessfulness because literally life means nothing. All that's kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Insert Buddhist reference doesn't matter. But so I, I did enjoy that. And, 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 uh, but I'm very happy to get back to the infrastructure that is life. And, and I enjoy sleeping in my bed. And I, I I've also learned, I read, I read a thing that said, as you sleep with somebody over time with years, like I actually sleep better when I'm next to my wife because like your breathing patterns are, are like sort of synced and you're sort of more like you're, you're more comfortable with like the environment. And, and I've, I've, I read this blog that said, cause I, I was looking up, like, I don't sleep very well when I travel at all, James, like I don't sleep well in hotels. I don't sleep well in general away from my bed. And I, and part of the reason I was looking at some stuff to kind of do for that. And part of the reason I, I learned is I think I just sleep better with my wife because I've been sleeping with her for you know 13 years you know and you learn you learn kind of your body i think is more relaxed in that environment so yeah so not my it, favorite experience that's the point yeah, it's true you know once you get home and then we, we were experiencing this last night where it's like oh we just had such great sleep because we're at home we're in our own bed we have our own wi-fi we have our own tv we're not intruding other people's life we're not intruding nature just felt yeah it just felt good i don't know yeah it's it's definitely it's that nice like it was nice to visit, right? It was nice to be out there. It was nice to disconnect, but at the same time, it's just really nice to be home. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. So I, I really like Seattle. So, all right. Well, there we go. We shared our we shared our fun our fun times this week. The world is all caught up on the on the pros and cons of glamping. Always. And you know what they're not caught up on, Danny? What is that? They're not caught up on this wonderful game that I discovered for the first time called Chesses. Have you heard of this? Ch- cheesy I- chess. With, with three S's? Chess? Three S's. Chess. I like, okay, I, I'm interested, intrigued. Um, you play it, there are um, uh, t- two, there's multiple rows of light and dark squares, and then there are black and uh, white pieces, and they call them chess pieces. Have you heard of this game? I, you know what, I've, uh, I've been, I've been, I've been aware of it. I'm not sure why it matters, but I may have some stories this Maybe. week if people are interested i'm ready um, so one of the one of the things that happened this week and i love this podcast because we just get to i don't even know how many of the regular chess fans and and things and people that engage and enjoy the content and the events and the things that we provide on chess.com listen to this podcast i don't know i don't know what the what our user demographic is but i you know so we we held a couple of big speech chess matches this week uh sponsored by masterclass okay uh masterclass by the way masterclass slash chess people are like what's going on with this there if you've watched any chess videos on YouTube or the web over the last month, let's just say Masterclass has a big marketing budget, okay? <laughs> they are they are pumping money into this Gary Kasparov commercial that I personally have seen more times than could ever be healthy for a human being. I've seen this commercial with Gary Kasparov too many times. My team actually kind of had influence and sort of helped them to kind of market this. And um, all, all jokes aside, I mean, not trying to talk bad about Masterclass. It's phenomenal. Obviously, people know Masterclass. They've done things with Gordon Ramsay. I'm pretty sure they did a tennis thing was it with Federer I, I don't know but yeah, Masterclass Martin, this is what they do right Dead Mouse Aaron yeah, Sorkin so, so they approached us and they and they, they are now sponsoring the speech chess championships for an undisclosed amount but let's just say we're happy with it and I think it's great for chess to get 
you know, basically, you know, people can see the public money and the prize funds and, and assume the costs that go into the production. So, so we're pretty happy with them being a title sponsor. And it's, I think it's a good sign for chess as it grows into an esport to say, Hey, there's a demographic and there's a massive online market that we as a corporate entity are interested in reaching. And obviously with Masterclass doing a chess course with Gary Kasparov, that's about the big, that's about the best demographic you could ever want to reach. But I think as it grows, I think there'll be other, you know, people interested in sponsoring these big corporate events we do online. So um, anyway, okay, so that, that's enough about our sponsor. But what happened was, and, and the reason I touched on whether people watch these matches, there was some controversy in one of the matches. Uh, Levon Aronian and mm-hmm. Jan Napomniashi, uh, big, uh, obviously big stars. Aronian, I think, is currently number four in the world in the live rankings. He just played incredibly well, won about 40 grand in St. Louis just for a Rapid and Blitz event. Um, and I know Levon, super nice guy. He, he's literally one of my favorite grandmasters of, uh, in the, of the top guys in the world. Um, and he he lost his match in Apomniachi. He lost last year in our first ever event to Grishuk by only two games, a nail-biter. And the same thing happened this year. He lost by only two games. But this year, I don't know if you watched it live, Mots, but um, he basically... He basically had a terrible internet connection, and it, it says in our rules, and it's 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 kind of one of those difficult situations where we we really tried to think ahead. How do we want to handle this? Right? Ultimately, we you know we make these events super convenient. We provide big prizes for basically just a couple hours of blitz. It's it's the players' responsibility to make sure they're in a stable environment, and if they choose to travel or whatever, you know, it, there's so many other factors we can't control yet. Esports with chess have not reached a level where we have the luxury of flying everybody to a location in LA and we can control the environment. You know, we got some guy playing from Yerevan, Armenia, some guy playing from Moscow and our servers are in California. Right. I mean, so the reason I, I, I said that, I don't know how much of our demo, you know, listen to the pocket. We had, you know, we had thousands of live viewers. We were, we were across 5,000 live at, you know, at, at our peak, you know, we were, we were the top 10 on Twitch again. Um, you know, total video on demand replays, you know, we, we've had, We've had a very good amount. People love these things. It's doing so, okay. It's doing so a lot okay of people have already saying. seen this. That's why I'm kind of, yeah. that, that's why I say, I don't know how many people listening to the podcast now have seen it, but we basically had to forfeit him a game. And by the letter of the law, we should have forfeited him multiple games. Yeah. But, but LeVon was not happy with me. And uh, it was pretty obvious to the fans in the post-match interview that he was upset and, and kind of blamed the loss on it, even though it happened very early in the match. And, um, you know, in the end, we we reviewed a lot about this. We feel that we made the right call. And if anything, we could have been harsher. We found a good compromise because what if we make no penalty when it's already been in the public rules that there's a penalty for this? And now now Napomniashi feels like we're favoring Aronian, right? So it's it was a difficult situation. We did what we did. And... Um, what, what do you think about that? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's tough when you have something, you never want a result to be decided by like an imposed penalty by the arbiters or the officials, yeah. right? Yeah. But I that's mean, basically what happened. I mean, sometimes you, sometimes in the world, there are these referees that have to make a call. And I think esports in general are harder, right? When it's a controlled environment where everyone is being flown out to an arena, it's a little bit different, right? Because then, you know, you can restart the match, you can restart everything and say, hey, this is the network's issues. But this isn't really the case, right? If we have this all the time, we're doing uh, web streams and, and live streams um, and doing webinars. So our webinars most often time are recorded live. So I am literally doing this live and what you're seeing is live streamed into your house. If my internet goes down, 
if it's laggy, the product doesn't shine. If my internet goes out, guess what? The web, the web, the webcast is over because there's literally no internet in my house. And that's actually happened before. I have literally had the internet go out in my house five minutes before the live stream started. And like, that's it. Like, sorry, web, web stream canceled. No, and and I, have, I literally have anxiety about that every time before these matches, dude. Like, what if right now? I mean, like, I, I have a really great sound studio, recording studio. People see the shows and the videos. But what if, what if Sudden Link, what if our provider, what if Cox Internet just died in the outage? It happens, like, right? That's the world that. we live in. Right. And there's no way, there's no, there's no graceful transition. So in these games, in these situations, what has to happen and what we kind of led up to a lot of ours is when we're doing these, you know, we're going to put ourselves in the best possible solution uh, to make sure that this doesn't fall over. Now, that's not going to say that I'm going to go into a recording area to play a chess game or record my live webinar where there's failover internet and all this stuff, right? But I'm going to be on a wired connection. I'm going to have this set up. I'm going to have that set up. And I'm going to make sure I have the fastest possible internet. That's why I pay uh, $80 a month for gigabit internet. I don't pay $40 a month for a 100 meg internet. I want all the gigs all the time because I need it, right? And just like for you, I don't even know if you can, in certain areas, you, can, you can't even get super fast internet. So you have to go into a, an office and have a setup that's there. And we tell this people that come onto the Xamarin show all the time, which is a web show that I do on, on our Microsoft Channel 9 shows. I'm like, when you're coming on, make sure you're in a quiet place. I'm not expecting you to be super professional. Like you can't be, you can't have your own recording booth, but make sure that you're wired in, get the best possible, most things out of the way. And hey man, this happens. And I think as long as it's documented, which I think you did, and I'm reading the actual, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a link to the show notes in here about your response, which I think was good. If a player is not online or logged into chess.com slash live at the official and published start time of the match, he or she will be docked the seconds and minutes that run from the total match timer of that portion and potentially the full point for as many rounds missed per the running countdown clock of that control time. There's a bunch of stuff about mouse slips or take backs, all that stuff in there. But hey, this was documented and what needs to have happened is uh, Levon could have went on and said, hey, listen, I'm having, you know, could have been on an hour ahead of time, you know, maybe not. And, and maybe there could have been up, I don't know how much communication you had in between to, to get it going. But at some point, the game has to start and he's got to get to another computer. He's got to get to uh, right. uh, to something and make it happen. And, and that's and where likely he wasn't even hardwired in all that stuff. And I, I think in the end, it, it, it's a lesson learned for everybody. I think for Levon, as much as he's kind of frustrated and, and kind of felt some excuses, I know I know as the emotion wears away, I know Levon is a super classy guy and a super sweetheart. And I know that honestly, in the end, I, I doubt he would blame the match on this. I mean, the truth is... He still could have won a lot of games, and there was plenty of opportunity. It was a single game when it could have been multiple, given yes, the time he two. was down. And so I, I'd like to think that all all cooler heads will prevail. And, and I think, and but as you said, and we added a bullet point. In fact, we'll link here in the show notes to the official rules of the Speeches Championship, and then as well as I made kind of a public official statement. I don't know if that's what you were reading, but I, I made a I wrote a blog just for the people that kind of the power fans who were kind of upset and wanted to know like, Hey, why was this call made? What's the deal? And so I made an official statement as kind of the organizer of the event of chess.com. And, you know, so I, we'll, we'll put links to both those. And I agree with you in the end, are all the steps always made by these guys? Probably not. You know, they're top chess players in the world. They, they play online a lot, but as, as we invest money and the stakes in this are high, I mean, they care. I know Levon cared because I actually hung out with him in St. Louis. Like we had dinner together and, and he played really well when I, when I visited there and did all those giant chess videos that people have seen. I mean, I hung out with Levon and I know, I know he wanted to win. So I know he cared, which is cool for us, right? right. I mean, that's cool. 
And even if he takes every single step possible and redundancy, though, even the largest corporations in the entire world still have these issues because it's connectivity things I have. I remember it might have been build or it might have been an Apple keynote, Microsoft or Apple. But I remember like Apple's keynote just going down. They're having live stream issues. I mean, heck. Ten five years ago, I could barely live stream anything ever. It was slow. It was hiccupy. I mean, we've come a long way, but there's still there is still a pipe in between my computer and the servers that are there. And if something goes on in between, guess what? I mean, you still can't do it. Uh, It's it 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 just happens, you know. And it is what it is. It is what it is. And you're right. And so that was that was. That was an update in terms of why chess does or doesn't matter, and actually, ironically, how, how technology was really closely related to the to the issues and the experience, the awesome experience we bring the fans, of course, but the issues. And, and that reminds me that as much as I love what technology has provided for us in the uh, in the chess world, sometimes technology ruins our lives, Mots. And as, as Levon Aronian learned, um, and as you bring us every week here, sometimes technology maybe isn't the, uh, your favorite thing. So what, what, why is technology ruining our lives this week? You know, I enjoyed my Frontier Airlines experience of uh, printing off things manually. That was fun. High and quality stuff. High quality stuff. Not having internet or having a trade table. That works. That's very low level technology. But something really interesting has happened in the world in the last few uh, months, I would say. Um, Amazon, a very small company that you may not have heard of. Um, okay, bought, no, I, yeah. <laughs> never used them. Never that's, used is them. That, that's Amazon. Those are warriors, right? Amazon is, is where Wonder Woman's from, that kind of thing, right? That's what you're talking Correct. about. Correct. There's a, a river. It's, it's the right. part of the river. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, they purchased a, another small company um, who makes a, a bunch of food, and it's always whole. It's never I've partial. always wondered about that because most of the food I get is not whole. Like I prefer my apples pre-sliced, um, you know, so, okay. So I, I prefer my grain, half grain, not whole grain. So there you go. So, so what's going on with this weird river-based company purchasing the gathering of whole foods before they're separated? Exactly. So Amazon purchased whole foods and it actually went through, um, they're, they've been green lighted to, uh, to make the acquisition. And I thought what was interesting is you have this big tech company. Uh, Amazon, right? Who does a bunch of machine learning and they, they control a lot of the internet that's out there and things that you're seeing when you're browsing with AWS. And, um, they, they, you know, they're making big plays. And, and this play obviously is to, um, push out their Amazon fresh and to become a, a huge distributor. I don't think how much they, I don't know how much they care about Whole Foods necessarily, but it's a distribution channel. And they started to use this distribution channel in the most ridiculous, um, store display ever in the entire world. So when you walk into Whole Foods, which I am a fan of, um, usually you see a bunch of farm fresh food, you know, from fresh food, you're going to go pick it up. And my favorite thing that Amazon decided to do is to show the love between Whole Foods and Amazon. They have this huge farm fresh, farm fresh pick of the season, the Amazon Echo. <laughs> I'm looking at this, and it, it does seem, as much as it's it's not a surprise, right? This doesn't blow us away. This is kind of exactly what we might thought happened, but it does. It really does stick out like a sore thumb in the sore thumb in these images, doesn't it? It <laughs> it just seems so out of place to be sort of just pimping this Echo in the middle of a Whole Foods thing. It's just crazy. It, it it's an interesting way that yes, I like I understand like the acquisition is there, but I'm just like, come on, like right. there's literally any other better way of doing 
doing this because, you know, stores and grocery stores usually do have a home section or some sort of electronic section in a way. But, but not Whole Foods. Not Whole Foods. Actually, yeah, they're really not Whole Foods. And now they do. And there's huge echo just everywhere spread throughout that you can grab for ninety nine ninety nine, which is a great it, it deal. It is strange. I mean, I, I think... I'm I'm really curious to see how this acquisition plays out. I mean, you you said uh, you you described exactly what their goal is. Of course, Amazon Fresh is coming, and everyone knows they're leveraging themselves as a big, you know, basically ultimately they're competing with Walmart, right? And since they already Walmart has tried really, I think overall a little unsuccessfully to kind of break into Amazon's market, the convenience overrides. Um, everything. But okay, Walmart's online. So Amazon is like, well, we're going to be fresh. And so I, I get that. But this is this is weird. I mean, what are Whole Foods going to come? Are there going to be a technology section? Is there going to be like a little place? You know, may, maybe they'll have a sip and ship right there, by the way. Maybe they'll have a sip and ship and you can you can be like, you know, Echo, play, you know, play the Hamilton soundtrack in the middle of Whole Foods. I, I don't know. Maybe that'll work. It could, you know, there's a there's actually an Amazon bookstore, a physical bookstore uh, up here in Seattle, which is a really cool union of tech and bookstore, because in the Amazon bookstore, they have really good recommendations and there's no prices anywhere in the store. There's scanners. And when you scan the book and there's all the tech and all the stuff there too, all the Amazon products. But when you scan the book, it tells you the retail price and then the Amazon prime price. So if you're a prime member, you get the prime price that's online, which is kind of cool. Yeah, no, and that's that's you can't really blame them for that. But seriously, yeah, this is. <laughs> I just want to be like Alexa, Alexa. Like, when when are they going to like have shopping carts that roll themselves? I know I'm getting ahead of it, but I, I I do enjoy talking to Alexa. Full disclosure, like I'm like Alexa, tell me a joke, and sometimes she pulls some good ones. You know, Alexa, you know, is always there. She's reliable. But every single um, echo in the entire world has now lit up. By the way, so good work. You say dingus. <laughs> the dingus. The dingus. You know, it's true. It's actually interesting. And you, you made a good point about uh, uh, Walmart, too. So Walmart purchased Jet, Jet.com. Uh, which oh, is I didn't a, even know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they purchased Jet. So that's a Walmart company. Additionally, this is really the next space race um, for the consumer uh, in a way for consumer groceries because Walmart just partnered with Google and Google Express Delivery to essentially try to create a competitor to Whole Far, Whole Foods and Instacart and all that stuff too. So it, this is the next race. You know, it's the race that you don't know that's happening, but is is going to be start happening. So right. be interesting. It, will, uh, it may define it may define the future of our lives that we don't even know yet. So. <laughs> you never know. Oh my goodness! And you know what? Talking about technology. Um, that is not it like kind of is like I'm unsure about it, to be honest with you, right. is we've talked a lot about me playing chess and me getting started playing chess and how these computers are so smart and how sometimes you should listen to the openings and you should go to the openings and master the openings. But there is this button in the app of chess.com that's just like this little computer button. It's going to tell you how to do everything. And I feel as though we've talked about this before, but I've just gotten back in and I started a whole bunch of daily chess games. So I got like four things going on. And I started to notice a pattern, Dan, is that all of my chess games seem to be starting very similarly. And all of the moves that my opponents are making also seem to be the recommended engine. And all the moves I seem to be making are the recommended engine. So are we collectively using computers and the engines too much? So first of all, if if you have to ask this question, the answer is likely yes. But um, And it's like a... No, I, I'm kidding. It's, you know, 
I, I once read something that said, like, you're an alcoholic if you've ever looked forward to having a beer. I don't think that's true. I've looked forward to having a beer with friends, and I think that's a slightly extreme label. Yeah. Uh, uh, am I a addict because I, right, I, I'm I, dreaming about the next cup of coffee I'm about to right, pour? Okay, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but okay, like, the you know, here's the thing. Like, everybody has – there are more resources available to chess players than, you know, there, than there's ever been. And not just the computers, but, you know, the way – you know, chess.com is like literally there's so much online. So where do you even start? Right. I mean, there, do I do I watch a bunch of videos? Do I do this? Do I do that? I mean, so well, this is why this answer, though, right here is why most strong players prefer live chess. I mean, we play we play blitz. We play in the you know chess.com slash live. You play you play faster games and it's it's not a big part of it is because the the resources that are legal within daily chess the only resources that it, that is illegal is actually looking at a live engine evaluate but if you if you look at the opening books or you know what you can even do that's legal you can even analyze all your previous games with a live engine and if that game happens to be just like the one you're currently playing well that's not really actually breaking the rules so it's like we we've had this discussion you're you're asking something that has reminded me i i really want to have one of those uh, at some point, maybe discuss kind of anti-cheating and what chess.com does uh, as much as I can talk about because there's a lot of proprietary uh, information there. And we've made big investments into into the chess statistical realm, evaluating what humans are capable on a reasonable level in terms of matching up with engine play. And then there's that threshold where we know something isn't right here, right? But that's a whole other thing. But this is a big reason why like the strongest players prefer to play live chess because they don't want to be playing somebody else's best prep all the time. They want to play, you know, and ha get to the creative aspects of the game as quickly as possible. But I, I want to bring this back to how can we make this educational for bots? Because this is Mots asks an IM section, right? Yep. And that's that's kind of... So what I would say is this. I would say that the, the issue is you don't really have a lot of time to study. Like you personally, I know you're a busy guy, right? Busy I mean, guy, you're I got not, lots to do. Lots to do. right? You're not sitting there. You're not. You're not studying end games for an hour every day. You're I mean, not. I you're would, not really trying to build your chess yeah. muscles. So I would to like to, but I don't have the time. I barely have enough time to even make a cup of coffee. You know? Right. No, exactly. And that's and you got to do that right. That's first and foremost. This is Coffeehouse Blunders. But if you can, if you if you got something and, and you found a way to like make your cup of coffee and sit down with a cup of coffee and, and look at chess for like 20 minutes, even 30 minutes a day, if you if you spend a little bit more time educating yourself on the other kind of general aspects of the game, which there can be a lot of recommendations of where to focus, that would make that would make a much bigger difference toward the overall understanding you have to chess and ultimately the quality of moves you play than checking in with the engine because I compare the engine to at this stage of your understanding of math it's like looking in the back of the book and let's say you know zero right and you're looking in the back of the book and you see you know you see the answer to some, you know, basic mathing, like just like a fraction or even just like kind of division or something. Just because you see the answer did not give you any more skills that you need to actually solve that problem the next time you're faced with it. And ultimately, the goal of chess and what it what it's really taught people is how what human beings are capable of in terms of pattern recognition, which is really powerful, right? Like if I say triangle, triangle, square, triangle, triangle, what would you say? Right. So based on the current level of information you have, based on your current level of understanding and the amount of information you've been given, the best possible guess you can make is square. But then all of a sudden I said circle. So I said triangle, triangle, square, triangle, triangle, circle, triangle, triangle, square, triangle, triangle. Now what would you guess? Circle. Circle, right? <laughs> so your level of second. understanding in terms of the yeah. pattern 
Does yep. that make sense? So the so when I look at so the put it this way, like it seems kind of like really crazy. Or when I teach chess at chess camps and like a grandmaster comes up, or if we walk up to the kids playing and we just say, "Oh, White's just winning here because of mm. X Y Z," and they just look at you like you're being an yeah. arrogant jerk, right? And and but the difference is that there's a pattern that that we see. There's a pattern that is being seen that you just don't see it. And what you learn about patterns is patterns are really interesting because it allows you to look at something that seems super complex. It's basically a foreign language. Like if I, if I read a book in French, I understand that there are symbols here. I understand that there's a way in which they come together that kind of forms the words, but I'm not fluent. So I don't see the patterns of the words in a way that allows me to read and be fluent in that language. Yeah. The more you can study something, the more you start to see the patterns there. And so you're making a better guess. You're seeing a bigger, a bigger pattern that it already is there. The pattern's there. You just don't read it yet. So that's how I would describe like chess at a high level. It's, 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 it's human pattern recognition at a level that is really, really awesome. I have to tell this quick story. I know we're, we're running up on time, but you're going to love it. So based on that theory, th there was a study that was done. I think it was in the nineties where they took like several of the world's top GMs, like 10 top GMs and then 10 people that had photographic memories. Like, okay, like legally or, you know, legally certified photographic memories, not like some sci-fi movie you see. These are people that. You know, okay, just to clarify, like they have photographic memories, which means basically they remember like 85% of the information they see within like a first yeah, glance, sure, right? Sure. So, so I mean, but I just don't want to clarify this isn't sci-fi. Like they have, they have what is certified as a photographic memory, but you know, let's not get crazy people here. This isn't powder, by the way, powder, great movie. Um, so the, the photographic memory people and the chess grandmasters were given 20 positions. Okay. One time, the 20 positions were randomly assessed chess pieces on the board. Like, they didn't even necessarily have to be legal positions. They were just pieces on the board, chess pieces on a chess board. The photographic memory people remembered about 12, 13 out of the 20, like, exactly, which was like a super high percentage, just insane, weird 64 squares, pieces on the board, stuff. The grandmasters remembered precisely zero. Okay, basically none, approximately zero. Okay, then they did the same 20 boards and set up well-known chess positions. Okay, board one was like Morphe, you know, the Duke of Isengard, like the opera game, right? Board two is the Evergreen game. Board three is whatever, right? With this one, the Grandmasters remembered almost 20 out of 20, all 10 of them. It was like, I think the lowest was 18. It was like 19 out of 20. And the photographic memory people remembered, as you would guess, exactly the same. So that that's like another example of what you want to do is try to learn chess where you're learning the patterns and you're not looking for the answer because the way in which a computer arrives at the answer is so far from the process in which you could ever arrive at the answer anyway that basically it's Got irrelevant. It. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah. makes sense. I know it was a long explanation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Go. It's it's a it's always interesting kind of to think about, and I think how I've been attempting to use it is say, okay, I kind of know my opening that I want to play, or I'm starting to recognize a few of the openings other people are playing, and then what? How I'm, here's my approach now to it, and tell me if it, it's kind of right or wrong. But I say I think that this is the best move, but these are the other three moves that I think may maybe up there, right? And I'm not sure what the outlooks would be like. So what I do is I say, okay, I have studied some openings here and there, and I've seen how the progress of some of the first few moves work. But now we're at move five or six. So I'm like, I think that this is the right move. And uh, I'll just check with the engine and see what it tells me. 
Now, I'm not doing additional analysis afterwards if that wasn't the right one to say, okay, why wasn't that the right one, et cetera, et cetera. But that's at least how I'm approaching it, which I think is a little bit better than opening and saying, let me look at the the move, right? That's kind of how I want to approach it. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not allowed to check the engine in, in any sort of like live manner. I mean, in in post review, engines are a big part of analysis where you you've already made the commitment, right? And the slippery slope there, and and I know you're not doing this, you're not you're not someone who's worried about it to that level. But there are a lot of people that we've talked to who have like described the process where they just got to a point of being frustrated with losing, where they admitted to us later they just started checking the engine before they moved, and and that you know then they were breaking the rules, and 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 that's why when we kind of explain. Like, hey, we can detect that you're matching up with an engine at a rate that is unreasonable and we're able to make these decisions, you know. And so I, I, that's not that's not necessarily bad. But I would I would I would say for your chest growth, I would say, like, even put away that process. And what you want to do is finish the entire game and then go back. And really, all you really need to care about at this point is not whether your move was the best move the engine said or even one of the top three. Ask yourself, this is, this is, this is, a, I'm really glad we're having this. This will help you. So no more engines while you're playing. Like put it totally away, review the game in post, and then go through the game and look for this moment. Mm-hmm. What moves were made that changed the evaluation by plus two or more? Okay. Got it. So. When you go through and you say, okay, things were going fine. All right, I didn't play a top three move there. Oh, look at that. I played a top engine move there. Oh, look at that. That's whatever. As soon as one of you makes a move that changes the evaluation by plus or minus two in in, in a direction, right? So the evaluation is plus 0.3 from the engine. Again, that's just math. It doesn't matter. But then someone makes a move and the evaluation was like minus three. Did you find the move that made it minus three and punished him for this? Or did you Got miss that it. move? Those are li- that that right there is the way engines can help someone at your level, and it's the way they really should be applied. Is in post review assessing the swing moments of the game, or as we call them, the critical moments. Right where I, I you know, even when I work with students at higher levels, that's really even the way I tell like much more experienced chess players to use the engines. Because even at the expert level and the and the and the early master levels, when I've worked with talented kids, I've had to tell them, hey, put the engine away. This isn't helping you necessarily. I would rather you spend time. Let's work on your end game knowledge. Have you mastered all the base? Basic and critical rook endings, like, and then when you use an engine to go over your game, all you're looking for are the swing moments. And did you or did you not take advantage of those potential moments that the engine spotted, or and did your opponent punish you for a move that you made that maybe was yeah, that a blunder? Yep. So that's that's the most effective way to let them start to kind of have influence over your. Got it. Play. That makes sense. I like that. I like that. I think it's going to be an ongoing thing, and and just trying to get better and. And um, apply these little tweaks kind of like to how I'm playing. You know what I mean? You know what? I, I get better every time we have this podcast, just as a person. Well, I, I feel better that. because I miss you so much. And every week when I come on, I just feel like this big relief. Uh, I'm my best friend coming together for this amazing podcast. I love it. It's, it's, it's honestly one of the best parts of my entire week, Danny. I love it. No, seriously, this is this is like, like I said, it's therapy. We get to talk about stuff. Like, I don't even get to be as, I mean, not to say that I, I, I don't think I'm ever saying anything I wouldn't say in another environment, but obviously during a live show, like with the Aronian stuff, I'm not going to go into all this, right? One, when you're engaging with people in chat, we know that live internet chat rooms pretty much exist to be negative and to troll the show. I mean, <laughs> so like going into this and kind of expressing my feelings of like, hey, this was a tough situation. Like, what was the right thing to do? These were the, you know, I, I feel like that therapy and those moments we get to share is a lot of fun. So, And I think it's also really cool because we both touch on, I think, the fringe topics of our specific niche things we do that, that are more relatable to kind of the general public, right? It's like, you know, 
forfeit controversies in tech and kind of this whole speech yes environment is really cool. Amazon's takeover of Whole Foods is really interesting for all of us that exactly, work in the yeah. web world, you know? I love it. So good. So there you go. All right, Danny. I got to go. I got some right, works to be done. Well, you know, if you're following this show, go to blunders.fm for all of the latest and greatest episodes. Hit that subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast applications. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, we would love if you would leave us a review. It really helps us out in the App Store. You know what we've done? We've actually crossed the line now with 20 episodes where we can start recommending people to That's binge true. listen to it's our true. show. So go ahead, everybody. Binge and if, listen to if all the episodes. there's one thing that we could say this week that we absolutely love you for. So you like this podcast, tell a friend. I did this uh, for uh, Merge Conflict and I just said, just tell a friend, tell a coworker, hey, do you listen to podcasts? I got this great chess and tech podcast that I think that you'd absolutely love. It really helps support the show um, so we can get even more listeners and talk about this great coffee, chess, and tech all the time. And I cannot wait until Danny goes to his mail, not even a mailbox, his mail professional outlet and he picks up this package so we can talk about it next week. I can't wait. That's We, we got topics. Everyone's going to be on their seat. That's a great cliffhanger to leave it at. So can't wait to see what, right. what, we, what goes on next week. Me too. Peace Bye-bye. out, buddy. Love you.